Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game and under no circumstances approves of the hulling of strawberries. I'm Kevin Day and he is Liverpool University's Kira Maguire. Kira, why on earth did you feel the need to share that with the world to general disapproval from South East 25? Well, I, I think you will find that, that many people have described it as a, as a life changer and a game changer. Well, it, there's, always, there's always been an issue with strawberries, with that, that bit in the middle. And if you stick a straw up there, Jaxie, and push it all the way through, you get rid of all of that crap and you can eat more strawberry. No, you're eating less strawberry, surely. No, because you're eating all the good bits. Oh, I see. It's, it's, yes, it's a bit bourgeois, this conversation. It's questions day, Kieran, but as we mentioned... Uh, on last Thursday's pod, there's a couple of news stories uh, that we've held over. Um, one in particular, we're recording this later than we normally would on a, on a Sunday for various reasons, so it's just gone six o'clock, and it's probably uh, for the best because there was a couple of tweets from the Football League this afternoon about, guess who, Derby County. Um, Chris Kirchner's takeover bid is well and truly over. I, I, to be honest, Kieran, I couldn't quite make out the tone of the one. One of those EFL tweets it seemed to me initially that they were talking about pulling the plug. But I don't think that's quite true. But whatever, whatever's happening, Kieran, nobody's coming out of this with any credit, are they? Um, well, Chris Kirchner has, has not covered himself in glory. He, he was given. Uh, he was given an ultimatum following an ultimatum following a delay following uh, asking for extra time um so so we got to got to to friday evening the uh, the deadline came and went that was set by the uh by quantumar the administrators and uh he said oh uh, there, there's issues uh, effectively yeah it's 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 it sounded very like check in the post yeah. and and this this is coming from somebody who is involved in logistics now the whole point about logistics, it's about getting things from A to B to make sure that everything is you know, arrives in time so therefore yeah, manufacturing processes can go. So you would think that somebody who has made a lot of money from logistics, although remember, he claims to have made his money from crypto, mm. um, would would know how to get money uh, across uh, across a border. And yeah, the, the excuses of, well, there were bank holidays in the UK – yeah, there were bank holidays in the UK. 
and everybody knew about them. So if you know that there's going to be bank holidays, then you act in advance. There was a bank holiday in the US. Yes, we knew about that, and as did everybody else in the United States of America. Why did this come as such a surprise to Chris Kirchner in terms of transferring money? Well, also, Kieran, surely bank holiday or no doesn't prevent you transferring funds electronically, does it? It it doesn't. I mean, to be fair, the... Uh, the, the money has to be approved. There has to be anti-money laundering uh, oh. rules uh, uh, gone through. But again, you you know this in advance. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's exactly the same. If if you're moving house, you you make sure that you've booked your removal firm, you know, a few a few months before the date, and so you, you've got them on on the right date, so you can you can shift your gear from house A to house B. So, um, and and since our last show, um, there was a report in the Athletic. Uh, which said that um, staff at Chris Kirchner's own company, uh, Sync.io, there had been seven payroll runs where staff are to be either unpaid or, or paid late. Wow. Um, his, one, he, his, his company apparently uh, sponsors the Dallas Stars ice hockey uh, company, yeah. ice hockey club, yeah. uh, and owes them $800,000, according to the report in The Athletic. That money has not yet arrived. So so these these are huge red flags. Yeah. And the, the more you look at Kirchner, you have to ask yourself, okay, if he is the preferred bidder, let's let's just do a quick analysis of Chris Kirchner. He's 34 years old. He's never shown any interest in football before. His digital existence, his digital footprint was non-existent until about the last 12 months. He claims to have made all of his money from a crypto investment, which could be the case, of course, not saying that that's not true. Um, he's He's been conducting half of his uh, tactics through Twitter. Yeah, not not the best way. Yeah, we've not heard a peep from Mike Ashley. We've not heard a peep from the, the Appleby Group uh, with regards to their negotiations or their attempts of negotiations um, through Twitter. Um, you know, in, in terms of non-disclosure agreements, well, if, if he's blabbering through on Twitter, is he is he potentially in breach of those? So all, all of these seem to be unusual events. And then the week that he's supposed to be buying Derby County Football Club, he's off playing golf with Pol- Pol- you know, Poltz and Garcia. And yeah. if, if, if I was a big golf fan, perhaps I'd want to do that. But if, if the acquisition of Derby County is that critical to him, I would prioritise acquiring and saving Derby County Football Club. He does not have that priority. Um, if you look at his history with what happened before Christmas, he was potentially buying Derby and then he fell out and, and there was criticism from the administrators. He was then supposedly buying Dar- uh, uh, Preston North End. He fell out and there was criticism from Preston. Yeah, th- there is th- There is a body of evidence here which suggests that why on earth is he the chosen one? Yeah, Kieran, I'm just going to jump in there, Kieran, because I, I suspect you're about to take a, a, another deep breath and keep going. <laughs> um, when, when he was initially linked with Preston, which was before his interest in Derby, wasn't it? You you referred to him at the time. You said that that interest in Preston was uh, not serious. You described him as a glorified tyre kicker at the time, which makes me wonder why he was taken so seriously both by the EFL and initially by Quantumar. The administrators. Well, um, as, as far as Quantumara concerned, he he must have a paid some form of deposit 
in order to access the data room. So, so that that's a way of filtering out uh, complete clowns. So, you, so you have to pay money, and that gives you access to the the company records, um, and uh, yeah, pr- prevents complete Looney Tunes right. uh, from from acquiring up. With regards to the EFL, he has, by all accounts, because remember the EFL said, and I think this was in in mid May. Um, that they they were satisfied in terms of the evidence that he had provided to them right. in terms of proof of funds. Now you know, we we could be recording the Thursday show, and and the deal's gone through. You know, so we so we so we're not saying it's not going to go through, but yeah. it, by you know the, the the history is absolutely awful. Now in terms of proof of funds, it's effectively showing somebody a bank balance. Mm. Um, now without being you know, as you know, I'm not a cynic, but if I was a cynic. What what you can do if you've got quite a few banks and different bank accounts, you can you can shift money into bank account A, and then you can shift it out again a few days later. So mm. having money in in a bank account on an individual day is is not necessarily indicative that you have the ability to find the X million pounds in order to buy Derby County, and, and then you've got to ask yourself, what is he buying? Because he's yeah. not getting the property. The club's only got five players, so and they're in the third tier of English football, and he's supposedly spending twenty odd million pounds for that. Well, yeah, that's that's an awful lot of that's an awful lot of money for a for a set of cones. That's mm. still on the EFL, Kieran. The tweet this afternoon. I genuinely struggle to in- interpret the language. I mean, it's it's said there were concerns. Because the fixtures were being printed soon, but it talked about suspending something or other, a deadline. Some deadline was being suspended, but it also seemed to imply that that meant extended. So, could you explain what the EFL stance is now, as we speak at, at ten past six on a Sunday evening? Yeah. Okay. My my interpretation of this is as follows: the EFL are completely hacked off with Quantum, the administrators. Right. From from a long period of time. Quantumar have been accused of not communicating with other parties. Now, this has come from the EFL. We interviewed Rob Kohig from Wickham Wanderers, yeah. who said the same thing. I also believe that to be the case with regards to Mike Ashley's group. And there was a report, I think it was in The Telegraph, uh, John Percy has been yeah. going through this in some detail. And he said, there's another group, uh, the Appleby group, and they have tried on numerous occasions to... Uh, get commun- get to get uh, Quantumar to reply. If we take a look at a a press release from Quantumar uh, a few months ago, um, this is this is what they said, and and this this, this is this is you know in smacks of amazing arrogance. The perceived lack of communication has therefore been both tactical and deliberate. Huh. So so you know, not talked about now. Let. There is a time. There is a time when perhaps not saying anything you can understand being both tactical and deliberate. If if I wake up in a hotel where I don't know where I am at three o'clock in the morning, there's two naked women next to me. One of whom is wearing a Barry from EastEnders mask. The other one's got an Anne Widdicombe mask. I'm I'm in a frogman suit. There's a bath of there's a bath of custard, looking somewhat disturbed. And then the Baroness walks through the door and she says, what have you been up to? Yes, I think my silence would be both tactical and deliberate. But yeah, yeah. their comments just seem completely balmy. Why? They're supposed to be professional 
organization. And they're saying, we are not replying to people. We are not We are not talking to the EFL, who are the competition organizers. We are not talking to potential buyers. We are not talking to people with whom we're supposed to be in dispute, or rather there is a, there is a complaint about the club, as we've seen from both Derby, from both Wickham Wanderers and from Middlesbrough Football Club. And if that's if that's what they consider to be a professional way of doing business, well, fair play, you know, they, you know that that's that's their call. I, but I, it's a strange way to behave. It is. I, I I know which part of that scenario would upset the Baroness the most. That the the Anne Whittaker mask. I think that would be the <laughs> that would be the most distressing thing in that scenario. But but again, this what was what was this EFL tweet saying? Because it, it it seemed to me that it was a threat. Basically, it seemed to me that they were saying that Derby hadn't provided proof or Quantumar hadn't provided proof that Derby were able to fulfil their fixtures for next season because it, it seemed quite menacing to me. And also, going back to John Percy in The Telegraph, he's one of the very many people like you, Kieran, who have been exceptionally critical in the last few days of, of Quantumar. So it, they are clearly part of the the problem and not the solution, aren't they, as you say? Yeah, it, it's... It's the equivalent of Ofsted putting a school into special measures because what the EFL have said is that we want to be included in all communication with all potential buyers of Derby County Football Club. We do not have faith in your ability to conduct yourself in Ah. a professional manner and therefore we want to have an oversight of the process because – yeah, we, we we don't know who's we don't know who's pulling uh, quantum R's strings, but yeah, you know, I think some people are beginning to get a bit suspicious. Mm. And, and finally, Kieran, uh, let's see if we can give a glimmer of hope to Derby County fans because everyone's assuming that Mike Ashley is lurking around in the background. But is there any proof of that for those Derby fans that are anxious? Are, are we sure that's the case? Because he certainly hasn't indicated that in the past couple of weeks, has he? I mean, people are saying, well, that's the way he works. He's waiting for the price of the club to be driven down and then he'll come in. But that seems to be an assumption. Is there, is there a way we can make Derby fans happy and say that will happen? Well, he, he is definitely in, interested because right, uh, we have seen a, uh, a copy of a, uh, a letter from his uh, legal advisors uh, via his company, Mash Holdings, uh, to the administrators saying, we want to talk we want to get this done. We want to do this as quickly as possible. And then Quantumar came back with, uh, they, they effectively said that the offer or uh, the interest from, from uh, Ashley's group w- would be insufficient. It would not allow the club to come out of administration uh, w- without a points penalty and so on. So, so you know, there's, there's clearly a, there's friction between those two groups. He's definitely interested. The other group is the the, the Appleby group, um, where uh, I think it will have to be a consortium um, and, and yeah, they will have to find the money between multiple parties. Uh, Mike Ashley is, is one party. Um, it, it's essential that this gets done quickly. I'm still very confident that we will have a Derby County playing in League One next season because too many people, or I'm sorry, there are enough people yeah. who want the club to exist. Well, that's good news, at least. It, it does strike me from what you've told me about Quantumar and what I know about Mike Ashley, I think he's probably cleverer than they are, uh, is my guess. I, I think he'll probably uh, get round whatever objections. But it's not their job to put objections in a way, is it, really? Well, th- th- their job is to – well, 
Now, their, their job's to act on behalf of, of the creditors, ultimately. Um, you would also hope that uh, it would be in the creditors' best interest for the club to be sold. Uh, the, the, the behaviour has been odd. And I know one of the things that's been considered uh, by both football authorities, um, not just as a result of this, but in respect of uh, a few other uh, f- uh, administrations, uh, but also something which is, I think is going, could potentially form part of the the government legislation is to have an approved list of administrators Um, because uh, all I would say to people is is look at uh, some of the people from Quantumar with regards to what happened when Portsmouth went into administration, um, didn't cover themselves in glory, especially if you talk to people from Portsmouth, uh, people involved on the fan side of things. They were, uh, I think they... They, they weren't angry. They were disappointed. Okay. Oh, that's that's your worst reaction, Kieran. That's terrible. Um, let's, I was going to say rattle through some of these news stories, but let's not rattle through them because they're important stories. Uh, the people behind Three Key, which is Man City's crypto partner or was, have been unmasked as the masterminds of a chain of alleged frauds worth over a billion pounds. Although I'm on about to say that if they were real masterminds, they wouldn't have been unmasked. <laughs> yes. Well, they only unmasked in Scooby Doo. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, so this is this is uh, this is uh, work done by by Martin Caladine, who who is uh, very very forensic in his approach. Um, th- this is nothing to do with Manchester City. I, th- I think what this is indicative of is as a club, and, and we, we've used this phrase, blinded by the check. Yeah. Um, do plenty of due diligence before signing up with any commercial partner. Um, Now, to be fair to City, uh, I think they fairly quickly realised that this organisation, 3Key, wasn't the real deal, Mm. um, and and they jettisoned them. But by then, of course, the the, the criticisms had started. Um, And and if if there's one club that doesn't need to sign a deal quickly, it's Manchester City. So, so... Um, I think they could have done more due diligence, uh, more checking around in terms of the background of, the, of this organisation. Um, you know, fair play to Martin and, and to the other investigative journalists who who have revealed uh, some fairly unsavoury uh, issues in relation to Three Key. But the, the danger is is that you get uh, you get tainted by association. Uh, and you know, City are not part of of the fraud. City have done nothing wrong from a legal point of view. But those people who like to criticise Manchester City have one other thing which they can now criticise the club about. Yeah, and I think as well, being fair to Man City, because I actually had to research this for something different. Um, Man City, right from the start, as you say, as soon as they realised there was an issue, they were the ones that pulled the plug. But they also insisted that they did do due diligence on 3Key, which is odd because it's essentially a non-existent company. But... Uh, and like you say, it's strange that a club like City would be blinded by the check. But more bad news for crypto fans, uh, those of you that are still left. The crypto token hyped beyond belief by Inter Milan and some Croatian international players has plunged in value by 98% and its website has disappeared. Yes, this is an organisation called Football Stars. Um, and they signed up with the likes of Romelu Lukaku and Ashley Young, uh, Kovacic uh, at, at Croatia and so on, who th- these guys went on to you know, their personal social media, uh, 
sites and they they all said the same thing i love crypto and i love football yeah. and effectively endorsing the the football stars product um now there there is a saying that if you don't quite understand something don't put money into it. Huh. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I've so heard, I've heard that quite a lot from Ali, funnily enough, over the years. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the buyer, the buyer should always be aware. Um, but at the same time, uh, does football have a responsibility? Because why are these organisations with their products so keen? to associate themselves with football mm. it's because it gives them two things it gives them legitimacy and it gives them normalization if somebody as well known as Romelu Lukaku is somebody as no, well known as Kovacic is prepared to effectively to endorse this product then then it must be okay and you know you know my view on crypto it's absolutely fine as a vehicle for payment Across borders, I, I absolutely, you know, and I'm, I've got no issue with that whatsoever. It is not an investment in exactly the same way as you know having thirty euros in in the drawer next to your bed for the next time you go to France. That's not an investment in euro. Mm. Yeah, that just happens to be a means of buying things, and, and and that's the purpose. Money itself is not an investment. It is supposed to be a a known store of value, which tends to be the case most of the time unless you get high inflation yeah you know, but you know and clearly there's issues with inflation at present but in the case of cryptocurrencies their value is is ridiculously volatile so it's failing in the first purpose of money and uh, I, I you know I've got nothing but sympathy for these people who have been blindsided or perhaps they've been a bit greedy yeah. You know, and, it, and it was exactly the same with football index. We we saw a report into football index came out recently. Some really really sad stories. People have lost thousands and thousands of pounds. But get rich quick schemes don't work. It's as simple as that. I don't think there'll be much sympathy around the world uh, for this story, Kira. But Spartak Moscow has axed its second tier club, citing financial problems. Yes, um, and it was an interesting, uh, interesting press release from from Spartak Moscow. Um, their their second team had been playing in the the second tier of Russian football, but uh, you know, you, you know, one of the things which we picked up from from doing this show is is where do clubs get the majority of their money from? It tends to be from uh, sponsorship arrangements and also from TV money. Well, in the case of Spartak Moscow, their kit deal with Nike has been cancelled. Nike wants to distance themselves, so they've lost their commercial income, and they've been banned from participation in UEFA competitions for like 22, 23, so they ain't going to get any money from there. As a consequence, they're skin. Yeah. So, so what they've done is they've said that these are the new realities of football, which is um, uh, a funny way of saying um, some some psychopath in in, <laughs> in the Kremlin has decided to uh, to kill uh, a load of people in in Ukraine and destroy the country. Um, so, um, what they're going to do instead is that they're going to focus on their academy and uh, you know the youth team, and that's going to be their setup. So, so the second team has has gone. Um, also in Russia, Kieran. 
uh, and again, there won't be much sympathy for this, but Anzi Makachkala, which at one point was the richest club in the world, home to Roberto Carlos and Samuel Eto'o, rather oddly, they will actually cease to exist in a week or two. Yes, um, this is a case of somebody comes in, funds a club, and then loses interest. Um, Never happens in the UK, does it? So, so yeah, they 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 had fallen. Uh, yeah, they uh, at one stage. Yeah, why were the likes of Eto and Roberto Carlos willing to play for them? Um, because they were just willing to pay crazy, crazy wages. And when that didn't generate uh, the level of success, both domestically and and internationally, that the that the owner had craved, he effectively turned the taps off. And that was a few years ago. The club has been in decline since. Um, but now the uh, the Russian equivalent of the EFL has said we're not even prepared to give you a license because th- there's no evidence that you've got the ability to fulfil your fixtures. And you know, for fans of, of Anzi, again, I've, I've got I've got sympathy also for those players who had, had contracts which you know still had time available. You know, they are still working people. They are still you know so so I, I, you cannot castigate everybody uh, in relation to what's happened here. But uh, it, it was it was coming before the uh, before the invasion, before the war of Ukraine, and and that's accelerated things since because nobody wants to have anything to do with Russian football. Mm. I was going to enlighten our listeners, Kieran, and tell them that uh, Andy Makachkala is actually based in Dagestan. And then it then occurred to me that you would inevitably have played cricket with somebody whose nickname was Dagestan. <laughs> uh, probably the pound or no, the prowler's best mate um this next story kieran i had to double check this with guy to see if he'd got this right and he insists that it's true but apparently a report indicates that england fans who are going to qatar if they want to watch every game and we get to the final it's going to cost them seven thousand pounds yes um the uh yeah and 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 yeah we want england to get to that final as well, let, let's be honest, um, and, and and I can understand the accusations of hypocrisy uh, in doing so because you know we're taking a high moral stance against Russia uh, and being critical of what's happened there, and we're effectively saying, mm, yeah, Qatar, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah for four for four or five weeks, we, we pretend you're a cuddly country, um, which was exactly the scores the same in. Uh, uh, in Russia, in the World Cup in 2018, yeah. and yeah. Uh, you know, f- f- football is a force for good, as uh, Infantino says. And, and look at the progress that's been made in Russia since then. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, the, the, the issue, as far as uh, England are concerned, is that uh, that flights aren't cheap. You know, I, I had hoped that, uh, that there would have been a, you know, a huge increase in the number of flights uh, to Qatar, and, and they would be at reasonable prices. Well, all the flights have effectively been snapped up. Um, but the big issue is in terms of accommodation. Yeah. Now, you know, I've I've been fortunate enough to you know to go to World Cups, and the, the last one I went to was South Africa, and uh, we had you know I went with my mates. We had a brilliant two weeks there, however long it was, um, and we and we used Airbnb. You know, and we went from place to place, and we had an absolutely fantastic time in both Cape Town and uh, and elsewhere, Port Elizabeth. You know, absolutely brilliant. Um, but we were organised well in advance. Airbnb's not quite the same in Qatar. It's oh. not really the scene there. Yeah. Um, all of the hotels have been are effectively booked up. Yeah. The hotels are charging premium prices. So therefore, what do you there what do you have to do? You're gonna to have to go to potentially to Saudi 
and therefore fly from Saudi or get transport from Saudi back to Qatar for the matches, or they're even now talking about uh, using cruise ships uh, offshore. Uh, you know, and you know, a cruise ship can can hold you know thousands and thousands of people, um, and and using those, but they don't look particularly cheap either. And yeah, I'm, I don't I don't want to uh, I don't want to, to to paint people in in a bad light. If if I was going to the World Cup in 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 November, and, and I've made a decision, probably give that one a swerve. Uh, the idea of being on a cruise ship with six thousand other blokes who might have had a scoop or two. Um, wouldn't really be my idea of fun either. I'll tell you what, though, if that if that new Disney cruise ship is out there, I might oh. do that. That'd, that'd, that'd be great. But no, the six thousand number blokes would put. I'm, I'm going to be interested here to see how many fans actually do go to Qatar because anecdotally, I'm hearing stories from a lot of people who have been to most World Cups in their lifetime. They're, they're doing exactly the same as you did. They're avoiding this one like the plague, um, mainly for cost reasons, I have to say. But uh, from FIFA to UEFA and their head of security, Zaliko Pavlicha, had Alexander Seferin as best man at his wedding. And by amazing coincidence, Kieran, he was hired for his job just two months after Seferin was elected president uh, of UEFA. And I, I think before you answer this question, Kieran, we should point out that UEFA have had at least the courtesy to apologise for the way fans were treated mm at the Champions League final, way too late, and it took too long, but they have apologised. And indeed, it must be some consolation for those Liverpool fans who are still getting the tears out of their eyes that the head of French police has said that he made up certain of the facts, in particular that 40,000 Scousers had turned up without tickets, and he regrets that tear gas was used on these imaginary people. So that that's that's progress. Okay, you, you mentioned progress in Russia, Kieran. That at least is some sort of progress. Uh, no consolation whatsoever. But back to the sheer coincidence that a man who was the best man at somebody's wedding then got a job uh, when the best man took over the, the person for whom he was best man. I'm confusing myself here, Kieran, but it's wrong, whatever happened. <laughs> well, it, it does it does raise the spectre of cronyism and nepotism. Um, and, you know, Corruption we see that. Corruption was I was going for, Kieran. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> right. that's, that's, but I know how I know how antsy producer guy gets when I use words like that, which is why I was getting confused with who was best man for who. But whoever it is, it's wrong. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, as, as you, you raised the much broader issue, was the quality of security. And it looks like the planning in respect of what happened at the Champions League final. where. Both fans of Liverpool and Real Madrid, but but you know certainly Liverpool fans seem to have been uh, you know su- suffered far to a far greater extent. Uh, you, bet you, could, you could tell that before the start of the match because there were far bigger gaps in yep. the, in the Liverpool yeah. seat area. Um, you, I, I always take the view that that when I'm hiring somebody to do a job, I, I look for three criteria: um, Do I like you? Do I trust you? Can you do the job? Not. Are you my best man? You know, it, 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 you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing things on a mate's basis uh, because mate, you know mate, mates are good for some things. It doesn't mean they're necessarily great um, at at jobs which they that they that they end up being paid. And well, also to be, from to be separate- fair, Kieran, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it, it does fulfil two of those criteria because he must like him if he's his best man, and yeah. he, mu- he must trust him because he's got rather an expensive ring to look after. So two out of three is not bad. We don't know if he's I suppose so. Any good and, and, and I guess I guess the the best man's also got a few stories which he might be encouraged 
not to mention uh, in, in the best man speech. So, so yeah, are, yeah. Are, are, okay. Are you implying that's why he got the job because he didn't do the stories? Well, I, I, I never, <laughs> never. <laughs> you know me. That would be very cynical. It would be cynical, and that's not you, Kieran. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I think it looks poor from uh, the perspective of UEFA, uh, who are trying to present themselves. Um, as as the good guys of football, uh, following the collapse of, of Super League, but you know it's, it's a bit like uh, you know saying that, uh, that that hanging's better than a firing squad. Yeah, you know, when it when it comes to Super League versus UEFA, mm. because that they 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 have not covered themselves in glory. They have increasingly given away uh, power, control, and, and larger sums of money uh, to the to the legacy big clubs, the the elite, um, and and they, they must. They must take some responsibility for what happened um, at uh, in, in Paris. Although my personal view is that the majority of that responsibility should be directed towards the French authorities. Yeah, quite right. Father's Day is just around the corner, and our friends at Manscaped are here to ensure all the father figures out there are looking daddy material this June. Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature lawnmower 4.0, is the perfect bundle to tackle any and all old man hair from head to toe. This right here, my friends, is no dad joke. Treat him or yourself and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PRICEOFFOOTBALL at manscaped.com. Trust me, his dad bod will thank you. And look, folks, we appreciate that uh, for many of us, Father's Day can be a sensitive day. Both myself, Kevin, and producer Guy, we've lost our old man, so, so this isn't an insult to anybody out there listening. But if you do fancy going for this, Manscaped, it's designed with dads in mind. And the Performance Package 4.0 is here just in time for your old man's special day. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code PRICEOFFOOTBALL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PRICEOFFOOTBALL. Shake what your mama gave you? Nah, shake what your daddy gave you. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. We do have a couple of questions to get through, Kieran, in this strange hybrid of a pod. Uh, The first question comes from David Martin. Uh, David says, which Premier League manager has spent the most? I know the manager doesn't decide how much is paid, 
but I'd love to settle a barroom argument. We are guessing it's Pep, and then maybe Jose and money-adjusted David O'Leary at Leeds. And I, I shall pause here, Kieran, just to spare a thought for poor Uncle Terry, who will again be spinning in his concrete underneath that flyover at the idea of somebody settling a barroom argument with a question to a podcast rather than with pool cues and broken chairs. <laughs> Um, well, it is uh, by far uh, Mourinho. It is. Oh, um, okay. Uh, I, I uh, as you know, uh, one one of I, I do I do actually have a day job, and uh, I, I work with some proper smart people. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, a, a few months ago, uh, myself and my colleague Jason Laws, we, we created the the Laws Maguire Index, which is a <laughs> bit like the is a bit like the Duckworth Lewis method for cricket. Um, <laughs> In terms of uh, of transfer spending, to convert historic transfer spends ah. into uh, those using the increase in revenues uh, over the thirty years of the Premier League, uh, and, and effectively you know, making inflation adjustments. Um, and in in the in the five transfer windows in which uh, Mourinho was in charge of Chelsea, and this is this is just for his first act of manager or coach at uh, at Chelsea in 2003 he spent the equivalent we're talking just five windows 858 million pounds remember which which knocks everybody else into a cocktail and, and and you know little, little david o'leary and, and you know, we always used to see david o'leary appear uh, in those matches and you know, oh we're just a small club yeah. and we're just fighting against the system blah 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 he he actually didn't spend as much money as as perhaps he was uh, criticized with uh, some some of his signings on on the qualitative basis weren't great uh, players perhaps not necessarily in their prime um, and, and clearly, there there were some uh, pretty embarrassing issues, such as you know, the, you know the, the legendary signing of Seth Johnson. But that was nothing to do with David O'Leary. That was that was to do with yeah. uh, the, the, the the what happens when tostesterone and cash uh, are, are mixed in the same pot. Yeah, the, yeah, when you mix tostosterone with testosterone as well, that's <laughs> that's a volatile. You, you you put me to shame, Kieran. I have to say because if I get downtime, and I do, I tend to go to the pub. And squander it there. Whereas you come up with an index that tells you how much historically football managers may have paid. Um, Andrew Dawson says the biggest issue with lower league clubs often seems to be that owners regularly pump money in, so the club budgets are spending on that basis, and then all of a sudden the owner stops, and quite simply the management of the club is screwed and in trouble. Could the Football League, asks Andrew, enforce a deposit system based upon the owner's spending level? Um, yes, uh, the the idea of an owner bond has been uh, suggested to the fan led review uh, by somebody whose name I can't mention, but he's on this podcast, um, <laughs> presently talking to you. Um, and well, you've, narrowed, uh, it, you've narrowed that down a little bit, Kieran. <laughs> I've narrowed it down a little bit. Yes, um, but also, uh, you know, I, I was at uh, I was at a law and sport conference a few weeks ago, and uh, our our friend Nick DeMarco, he he's you know he said this would be a way of uh, of of trying to uh, disincentivize bad behavior and, and I'm, I'm a great believer in incentivizing things if you encourage people to do the right things um they tend to do the right things you know it's even and even simple things like remember when uh, uh remember when supermarkets were, were forced to sell carrier bags for five or ten pence each yeah 
people started re- 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 reusing carrier bags. Yeah, e- even though the money involved was you know, was was not was not significant for, for some. Um, so, if, if we have uh, an owner bond that you have to put down at the date of acquiring the club, this could act as a disincentive for rogue owners, people who are trying to use the club as a, as a property asset and so on. If you combine that with uh, a slightly more enhanced form of owners and directors test and regulation, then you know, the cowboys, the tyre kickers, the wrong uns, the, the ne'er-do-wells and so on, um, they, they will simply move on to another industry. So, so I think uh, Andrew's suggestion uh, is is one which has merit. Um, it, it works in other industries because if if you if you book a holiday via a travel agent who's with Atoll, then if the whole you know if if the if the travel agent goes bust, you're covered. It's it's the same. I was always Abta, I think, rather than Atoll. It's the same with uh, with tour operators. So so we do see effectively a a collective insurance policy which is which is contributed to by the industry in which case it would have to be here the owners um, which which I think would certainly assist the industry uh, in terms of preventing some people but not all uh, who you don't want connected with the game getting involved I am Definitely going to have to make sure Ali doesn't listen to this pod under any circumstances because you have touched on a raw nerve there. Oh. One of the very many things that drives up the wall about my behaviour is the fact that we now probably have about 278 bags for life. Because <laughs> right. I'm just congenitally, as she says, I'm just congenitally unable to leave the house and go to Sainsbury with one of the bags we've already got. Tucked, and she does. She's got this like origami folding thing where she makes a, a, a plastic bag or a bag for life really tiny, and I still yeah, yeah. just forget to take them out with me. <laughs> it's a big commitment, a bag for life, by the way. You know, as Officer says, but I did. We've got so many. Ca- I've got to the stage now where I just I try and distract her if I'm coming home shopping and she's in. I will phone up and say, "I think the garden needs doing." I try and run in, <laughs> <laughs> chuck it all in the fridge. Um, uh, speaking of. Uh, Loved ones, Kieran. <laughs> ben Connor has a question <laughs> about the Tracy Crouch fan-led review. Oh, sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Um, and Ben says one of the recommendations in Tracy Crouch's fan-led review is that fans should be represented on club boards. Uh, it's not a strictly financial matter, but it's an interesting question. Do you know how clubs would decide which fans should represent the broader fans' views? If clubs have an existing fans' trust, would they be in pole position to take up seats on the board? And what happens if fans of the club aren't happy with the fans that are chosen? Um, I haven't read it in as much detail as you had, Kieran, but is it? are there recommendations for which fans should represent broader fans' views? Not as yet, and and I take on board Ben's comments with regards to the trust because sometimes you can get more than one group of, of fan representatives, yeah. and it's you know it's a bit like the you know, the people the people's Judean front versus the yeah. the Judean front of the people, uh, and so on. So so there there is a concern there, um, but as there is nothing concrete. Uh, I think you know the it was the principle of having a shadow board. Uh, that the the fan led review lent its support to, as far as what clubs can do, because some clubs are trying to preempt um, the uh, the Tracy Crouch report, and this this could be one of two reasons: a a they've seen the light, they've seen the benefit that actually having liaison with with fan groups 
uh, and accepting that fans are actually quite an important stakeholder in the game is to the benefit of the clubs yeah. because the fans all, the fans want success um, as, as much as the owners want. Now, the, the fans' success will be more geared towards what happens on the pitch. Uh, some owners also want are completely aligned with that. Some owners are more concerned about financial uh, returns. But you know, communication, uh, as we've seen, what happens when there's no communication? You end up with quantum art on the EFL's naughty step. Yeah. So, so communication is really useful. Um, th- there are two potential vehicles or two potential methods through which we could go through. First of all, as Ben suggested, we could go through the supporters' trust, where the supporters' trust will say, well, we will have a nominee, one of the members of our board will, will go on board, or two people uh, or whatever the number it's going to be. Um, the the concern here is that at some football clubs, there are official supporters clubs, yeah. which are effectively rubber stamped by the club. Now, I've, I've spoken to fans from, from a variety of clubs, and I'm not going to name the clubs uh, it, particularly here, that, that there might be reservations about. Some, some of these fan groups might have too cosy a relationship with the existing board or owners. Yeah. And therefore, are they acting um, completely independently and representing the views of the fans? Or it could be one of two things. A, A, they're patsies. Or B, they get starstruck by the opportunity to, you know, have have uh, tea and biscuits three times a year with uh, in the boardroom of the club. Um, and that's their main concern, and and what, and the most thing, the thing that they're most interested in is, well, yeah, they're going to suggest a couple of players who they think are quite good, mm. or they they've got a really good idea for what the away kit should look like, and it goes no no further than that. Um, the other alternative is to have some form of voting system, uh, and again, you know, I, I can only speak from personal experience. Um, you know, at Brighton, we, we've got a uh, one, one of these family representative groups has been set up, and um, season ticket holders have been able to vote uh, for, for those people. And and to be fair to the club, it sort of split the, the split people into categories as well to make sure that there's there's broader representation. It's not a perfect system. There has been some criticism, but, but then there's always been criticism from people that uh, that uh, you know don't 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 get uh, don't get, don't get chosen. Um, so 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 that's where we are. Um, you know, e- either the supporters trust or some form of voting system. But as far as the fan led review, it it really didn't go into. I don't think that that granular level mm. of detail. It just said let let's get the fan reps, not not the process. Uh, Speaking of preempting, Kieran, this is an issue we're going to be talking about on the next pod. A couple of Premier League clubs, including Palace, have already anticipated that gambling sponsors won't be allowed on shirt fronts uh, the season after next and are looking to change their so I believe Newcastle or another one that are uh, talking about ending their current shirt sponsorship or certainly another. There's a couple of Premier League teams looking to do that and we'll be discussing that in some detail on Thursday. Our pre-penultimate question Kieran comes from Tony Hereford, who has asked a question before, but hasn't indicated whether his name is Tony Hereford or whether he's Tony from Hereford. Uh, so if he asks another question, Tony, if you're listening, until I get that information, I'm going to have you down as a bot and not take any more questions from you until such time as you've indicated which of these photographs is not a boat. 
Um, so with, <laughs> Tony says, with regard to the issue of parachute payments, which is something we've talked about a lot recently, and their justification or not, my question is, since the start of the Premiership, how many clubs have been promoted to the Premiership while in receipt of parachute payments? Do we know this, Gary? Um, yeah, I, I I went on to Wikipedia. I went, I went on to the Football League records. I kept, like everybody else does. <laughs> a bit casual by your standards. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, but but uh, and Wikipedia didn't tell me, so so oh, I, I had I had to therefore go through the table for <laughs> for uh, for each season. Um, since pa- since parachute payments started in two thousand and six seven, um, of the forty five clubs that have been uh, promoted, eighteen of those have uh, been promoted within three years of being relegated and therefore in receipt of parachute payments. So so that is a significant number. Um, Do parachute payments give a financial advantage to clubs in receipt of them? Yes, they do. Should they therefore be scrapped? Well, this is where I I think we we need to take a more of a holistic view. Um, The purpose of parachute payments is to try to reduce stroke eliminate the chances of clubs becoming um uh, becoming insolvent and therefore going into administration following relegation from the premier league has that been achieved yes it has so it's so it's achieved its primary objective what it has done is it's caused a secondary problem um and uh, this this needs to be addressed by looking at the overall distribution of money within the football hierarchy um and yeah i've yeah, you know, me. I've I've done loads of spreadsheets. I've done mm. loads of models for this, um, and whenever I put suggest something, somebody always comes back to me and says, "Well, I don't like that because we end up with less money." But that's the point of redistribution. You know, redistribution is not giving everybody more money. It doesn't work like that. Mm. Um, and there's there's a further issue which which you know is sort of the sideline to to Tony's question. There are far many, there are far too many clubs who are being promoted from the EFL to the Premier League and then getting relegated straight away again. Yeah. So that's that's further indication. It's not parachute payments in themselves that's a problem. It's it's the much broader issue, which is uh, not being addressed uh, and there seems to be no enthusiasm for it. Although you know, I, I, I do believe the Premier League has put forward some suggestions which uh, – uh, haven't uh, have gone down well with some parties, but not others. I'll say no more than that. Interesting, Kieran. I would have, that figure you gave eighteen out of four. I would have thought that would have been much higher, but that's that's. I mean, it's still significant, but in, in mm. my mind, I would, it seems to me there are a lot more clubs coming straight back up because of parachute payments. But again, well, what, what we have seen is that in the early years of parachute payments, it was quite uncommon. Um, you know, oh, clubs like okay. Birmingham City and Reading and and so on. Right. Uh, uh, and there has been an acceleration of bounce back clubs, uh, as, as, but you know if we take the last two years, COVID an awful lot to do with it because parachute the, the benefit of parachute payments is hugely amplified if you have no match day income. So ah, you know, you, yeah, so, so you, yeah. there's, there's too many people just looking at things in isolation and that's why you need and i know i sound like a management consultant here this is why you need holistic solutions yeah do you know it it strikes me kieran that perhaps we need a a special pod just to discuss one or two of the issues to to actually talk through properly what amortization means and what parachute payments mean because i I mean these are subjects that are crucial uh, to football but they're subjects that sometimes 
you you know it's like these things go out of my head so i think we need to have maybe a, a debate about parachute yeah, payments yeah. or something yeah, I think that'd be pa- really interesting. Get a, yeah perhaps we could get a panel yeah, that'd be yeah dark, we could get I'd two like or three that. people yeah. the yayers and the nayers um because i i it's for me it, it's it's a it's a bit like Brexit in that people form an opinion and that opinion is reinforced regardless yeah, yeah. of uh, taking a broader view. Uh, you know, I, I don't care what people's views are of Brexit. You know, my view, it was there was a 60-40 advantage of going down one course of action rather than the other. It wasn't 100 versus zero, as we are seeing from all the parties. And, and yeah. un- unless you look at everything on a, on a macro scale, then I don't think good decision making is made. Yeah, I, I like that idea of yours of the panel, Kira. Do do let me know how it goes, won't you? I, sh- I shall look forward to listening to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> our final question comes from Gareth Aubrey. Uh, oh, I, I hope somewhere in a previous life was a musical entertainer because that's a proper <laughs> Victorian musical entertainer's name. If it was Aubrey Gareth, it'd be even better. Uh, but Gareth Aubrey says, would it be possible to make a reasonable estimate? of the total cost of returning a club to their current league position if they went out of business. I ask because with my silver tongue, uh, and we knew Gareth was uh, a lawyer because there was an invoice attached to the question. Um, (laughs) Gareth Gareth says, I know that contracts can't have things that are just there to penalise someone who breaks them, can't they? But they can include compensation for any costs arising from the breach. Could such an estimate also be helpful in setting a benchmark for the resources that an owner would need to show when buying a club in the first place? I mean, that's a, I think that's a really interesting question. It's interesting for Berry fans, for example, that, you know, mm. or anybody who's, who's unfortunately, tragically having to consider a Phoenix club. Just how much would it cost? I mean, if the worst happened to Derby, for example... How much would it cost to get them back to where they are now, or mid-table in the championship where they were before the points deduction? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely uh, think it's a corker here from Gareth. Yeah. Um, my, my view is it would vary hugely on a club by club basis. Um, so you know, we've got Manchester United at one end of the scale, and we've got Morecambe at the other uh, in terms of yeah. you know the, the level of crowds or and so on. Um, what we would have to do here is is to say, well, okay, if we are looking to to return a club to the EFL or to the Premier League, um, there, there's a number of issues. First of all, we've got to look at your asset base. So we've got property assets, we've got uh, player assets. Now, if you are you know, if you are Crawley Town in in League Two, your your player assets and your property assets are going to be a lot lower, a lot smaller than those of a Premier League club, and also. Um, how long would it take you to get back to 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 where you've come from? Because if if the club is effectively uh, kicked out, so we, we saw Macclesfield Town uh, go into liquidation, um, and then we've now got Macclesfield FC starting in a much lower tier. So how many how many divisions do you have to go up before you are restored? Because oh, yeah. the chances are you're going to be losing money in each of those divisions yeah. because you're trying to get there as quickly as you can. So so there, there's a time issue, there's an asset issue, um, and there's there's a, a, an owner model issue. So you know, are, is that going to be through debt? Is it going to be through owner injections? Is it going to be on a sustainable basis? So I can't give Gareth a figure for an individual club or can't give Gareth an overall figure or a general figure because it would involve uh, 
a lot of a lot of calculations, a lot of effort. You know, and, I, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm you, know, you, you give me some numbers, and I'm, I'm happy as a pig in plops. Um, but uh, it, it would take uh, it would take quite a bit of time, and it would significantly vary from club to club. That's a, a very good question, Gareth. Thank you. The check is in the post. Um, and thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page, including Andrew Shepherd, David Brereton, Paul Cockerton, X Macca, or possibly Jamaca if they are an Inca, Adrian and Robert Ryan. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod along with them, then please go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran McGuire for his customary farewell. Um, well, th- thank you very much, folks, and, and for all those people that support us on Patreon, we, we, we're genuinely chuffed. Uh, you know, we, we, we do try to put out a, a, a show which is, is slightly different from traditional football, um, and, and it's, it's nice that you, you appreciate that. Um, that. That's one way of, of supporting the podcast for as little as a pound a month. Um, but th- there's other ways you can do that as well, and one of those ways is, is to go onto your, your podcast app um, and and to give us a review, uh, according to producer guy, it, it, it impacts upon the algorithms. It impacts therefore upon our our uh, our place as far as the rankings are concerned. And also, um, when we approach potential guests, they tend to look at the the reviews, um, and, and some of them still come on the show after that because it, it, it does it doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't matter. And you might have said, well, yeah, today's show has been, it's been a bit of a downer, you know, with what's happened at Derby and Severin's cronyism and, uh, you know, all of the people that have lost money through, through crypto and so, so you, you might want to, you might want to cheer it up a bit. So, so, so who better, who better to present the show than Seth from Emmerdale and Jeffrey Boycott? <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that would perk people up, wouldn't it? <laughs> Oh, that would inevitably turn into a fight. I'd love to see that. <laughs> that would be a man with a cricket bat against a man with a hoe. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Yes. Uh, <laughs> bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>